0: I was in, I was
1: Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome to the first ever remote recording of Monsters Among Us. I'm spending the month in the heartland, my old stomping ground, Ohio. So if the quality of this recording is a little less than what you're used to, keep in mind this is only temporary. Tonight's show is jam-packed with stories, so I'm going to cut right to the chase here. Something strange happened last week. I received three calls from three brothers detailing experiences they had in their childhood home. So I'm going to play all three calls, then discuss. So first up is Matt's call from Arizona.
2: My name is Matt. I'm calling from Arizona. Uh, just discovered your podcast a few weeks ago, and me and my brothers now listen to it. We've got two of them. Uh, we both we all grew up in Lakewood, California. Uh, the house is built in like the 50s, and we all three had, or yeah, all three of us had experiences there uh, when we were sleeping. Um, all of us had them there. We've never we've all moved out except for one of us now, and we've never had any experiences before or since. Uh, they're going to call in, too, and give their stories, but I'll give mine right now. Basically, this is about 2000. Should have been 2010 or so. Uh, I was sleeping probably about 3 o'clock in the morning. I wake up, maybe 3.30, uh, but I can't move anything. My bed faces against the wall, and directly to my right is the door to my bedroom. So I'm laying there. I can't move I can only move my head just barely, and I turn to my right, and I see my bedroom door open inwards, and like seven figures come walking in. They're all tall shadow figures, kind of like look like aliens, Um, the head, the big head, the really skinny body, really skinny, long arms, Um, almost like one of the aliens from South Park if you like stretched them out. They're probably about seven feet tall, and they all came and sit around my bed and were just looking at me. I couldn't see their faces or anything. Like I said, they were just sort of dark shadows. Um, I was already listening to Coast to Coast and stuff at that time, so I kind of had known what sleep paralysis syndrome is or heard of it. Um, I wasn't sure if it was sleep paralysis or if it was something else. Um, Basically, I just looked at them, and then I was like, well... I'm just going to go back to sleep now and see what happens. So I just closed my eyes and went back to sleep. Woke up in the morning. Nothing weird happened. Um, Didn't feel like I had been abducted, but definitely understood why people would think that they'd been abducted if they didn't know what sleep paralysis was. Um, None of us knew between me and my brothers what that we all three had these experiences until uh, maybe about... Few months ago or a year ago even when my little brother told me about a hag syndrome uh, experience that he had and then I told him about mine and then my older brother told me about one that he had. So they're going to call in and give their stories as well, but just kind of weird. Thought you might like it. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Matt.
1: Following up here is his brother, Mike.
3: Hi, my name is Mike. I'm one of uh, three brothers who are calling about this uh stories we have regarding the uh, house we grew up in Lakewood California um I'll go ahead and start my story now uh I can't really remember any specific dates or times but we first moved into the house around 1987 or 88 and uh nothing nothing out of the ordinary really sticks out from that time and until maybe uh a few years later, I've started becoming more aware of I guess what you would call shadow people. Um, I don't really know if I believe in shadow people, but I have definitely had plenty of experiences with uh figures darting around in my peripheral vision throughout that house uh, even even to this day, when I go visit, I still see things from time to time. Um, there supposedly there's a Indian burial ground close to long beach cal State University, Long Beach, or on their on that campus, and uh that's not too far from the house the The burial ground itself I don't know how far back it dates, but it could be something where there were are other unknown burial grounds in that area, depending on how long humans lived in that area. So it could be that there's other other burial grounds around this place because we all have uh, these weird uh, experiences at this place. And I'm sorry, it's it's hard for me to talk about because I'm kind of skeptical of what I've seen and and the things that have happened to us. But um, as far as visions, I remember uh, when I was probably around I don't even remember the age, maybe 15 or 16, around in the early 90s. Um, I woke up. From sleep, and probably around like seven or eight in the morning, it was already kind of light in the room, and I could, I was, I was awake, and I could see this figure, uh, full formed. It was kind of a shadowy figure, but it looked like a, like a cartoon, stereotypical Satan, like the the horned face with the the beard, with uh, like a, like a human torso with like goat legs and a and like this pokey cape thing and uh it just stood there looking at me and I was looking at it and I uh I remember even shaking my head and um like widening my eyes kind of thing and it, it stayed there probably about 10 seconds and then it just kind of like lit started to lift its arm out at me and then dissipated and uh I just wrote that off as you know I just wrote that off as something weird figment of my imagination, I guess, uh, about, I don't know, maybe a few months to a year later, something similar happened to that again, where I once again woke up, and all these things occurred at the foot of my bed, um, where it was this head, a head similar, similarly shaped with like, kind of more goat-featured uh, human head with like kind of like a goat nose, and uh, some them, like little nub horns, not, not too big, and just sitting there, just sitting there rocking back and forth with me again, um, it was, you know, I was, I was definitely awake, there was, it wasn't like a lucid dream or anything like that, uh, and again, I wrote it off as a, uh, as a figment of my imagination, no big deal, that was kind of cool, you know, talk about with your friends, you know, and then, uh, whatever, so, uh, the third, the third thing that happened to me, and I had no reactions, I had no reactions either to these visions other than seeing them. And like, they kind of gave me a little bit of a, the, the, you know, a little bit of a spook, but like I said, I just wrote them off because I'm fairly skeptical. The third time something happened to me in this house, uh, I woke up and there was this cloud of smoke hanging out at the foot of my bed again. And uh it was probably just about as much smoke as if someone took a puff on a cigar and blew it out. And it it was stay- it was hanging kind of vertically, like maybe like a foot wide by like two or three feet tall. You know? Not not really in a shape, but it was just hanging out not moving, nothing, just kinda just stagnant. And uh no one in the house smokes, there's no reason any smoke would have been there. But I immediately had like these uh these chills and I just had this like feeling of, like, dread, like, you could, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, it actually, like, made, made me cold, like, the, the feeling of it, you know, like, uh, when you walk through a pocket of cold air, it literally, I was sitting in bed, you know, um, I was playing, one anyway, uh had goosebumps and everything, and, and once again, just like those other two visions, it dissipated, and, uh, and for some reason, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm fairly, I'd, like, call myself, uh, agnostic, But, uh, I I immediately, just because of all the religious association, you know, thought of it as Satan, plus with those other things, I I kind of figured like, well, hell, maybe there really is a devil, uh, even though I don't really think there is, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's just, um, I I never really told anyone about that stuff, and then, uh, or maybe I told my brothers at some point, but I think when, uh, when I found out my other brothers had visions, then you know, I was like, oh, holy crap, you know, because, like, I know two of us had divisions in the same room, and then, uh, you see, like I said, you see the shadow people throughout the house, and, uh, the other thing is nightmares, uh, I used to get really bad nightmares in that house, and whenever I sleep over there, um, every once in a while, I still have really, really odd dreams, um, I don't, I don't see shadow people going about my daily life anymore, you know, maybe, maybe once once in a rare while but nowhere near the frequency that I see them at that house in Lakewood and uh I definitely don't have bad dreams nightmares or anything like that like I like I used to have you know but you know there's all kinds of reasons you could have that stuff but uh there's just something there's something weird with that house um I don't know if a couple of people died in it or if there's some kind of you know other issues but anyway um That's my story. Thanks.
1: And finally,
3: the last brother.
4: Hey,
1: how's it going? So I'm the third brother
4: in the uh, trio of calls. I guess my two other brothers already called and left their stories. But uh, my story starts out about six months ago. Uh, It's nine at night. I'm about to go to bed. And I'm walking out of my bathroom. And the way our bathroom is set up is it faces the, uh, wall of a hallway, and on that hallway, there's some old pictures on it, so as I'm walking out, the light from the bathroom kind of, I see a reflection of my head in the pictures in the hallway, and behind my reflection, I could see this old-looking hair, kind of like the hair of an old lady, so, uh, that kind of freaked me out. I glanced up, and I saw that, and I took a step back, and I didn't see the hair anymore when I looked again, so I thought, moving my, uh, I was just playing tricks on me. I don't know. So, early that morning, about 3 a.m., I wake up, and uh, the way my room's situated, I have my bed, and it's facing two sliding glass doors, so oh, I noticed that one of the sliding glass doors is open. I see a slide open, and I'm thinking, like, there's an intruder in the house. That's what I first thought, and I'm freaking out, like, I don't know why I went in my closet, but... Someone's in my closet, and uh, you know it's go time. I'm about to about to get in a fight with somebody or something. So uh, I'm freaking out, and uh, I see the door slide open more, and I'm trying to move, but I'm I'm completely paralyzed. So I'm trying to yell and wake up the other people in the house, but I can't I can't at all. And right as I'm doing that, I see these gray, old-looking fingers slowly wrap around the from the inside of the closet door. And uh, pull it open even more, and out pops this old, decrepit looking lady. She's probably about only like four foot five, really short, and uh, pops out and has this freaky smile. I'm, I'm still trying to yell, and I'm paralyzed in my bed. And uh, right as she fully steps out, she bolts at me. And right when she's bolting at me, I get the strength to kind of bring her fist up to it punch her in the face but I kind of like jerk up out of bed and she's no longer there and uh, the closet door is open I guess maybe I left it open I don't know it was weird because you know just a weird situation so I'm freaking out and uh, I told my brothers the next day and I described the lady and the whole situation that happened and they're like oh that sounds like old hag syndrome so I kind of looked that up and I was kind of shocked to find out that, you know, old hag syndrome is something that's been happening for for centuries to different people all around the world, so that was pretty strange. And then, uh, just last week, I'm laying in bed, and probably around the same time, I'm not sure really, but this dark, like, shadow figure comes into my room and just crouches in a corner, climbs up on my desk and just crouches in the corner and just stares at me. And I was so tired, I just went back to sleep, but, uh... Yeah, those are my two main stories, really. I don't really know what to make of them. I don't know if it's sleep paralysis. Sounds like it probably could be in a uh, in dimensional vortex. Well, I don't know. But, um, yeah, some weird stuff happens in this house. And if anything else happens, I'll be sure to call and let you know. Thanks. Bye.
1: Thank you to all three of you for taking the time to share your experiences. It is very exciting to hear three different takes on the same quote-unquote haunting. Now, before I launch into my thoughts on these calls, I want to start off by saying that the grounds that Long Beach, California currently sits on was once known as Pavunga. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Pavunga was an ancient village and burial site thought to have once been populated by the Tunguva people who are the indigenous inhabitants of the region around Los Angeles, California. So Mike's claim that his home could potentially be located on some sort of burial ground is grounded in reality. I also wanted to point out that Mike called in a third time to reiterate that he believes the goat-like creature he witnessed may have been a figment of his imagination. His memory is too cloudy to definitively say if the creature was genuinely sighted or something conjured up in his mind. But he was adamant that the smoke he witnessed was indeed a real phenomenon. Now, for my observations, it seems that each brother's account varied, but only slightly. There are more than a few similarities that lend credence to their experiences. For example, two of the three brothers experienced a small creature that crouched in the corner. All three seemed to deal with strange nightmares, and all three seemed to encounter shadow entities at certain points. These similarities are enough to make me think they are either shared experiences or perhaps were influenced by one another's stories. The latter could have happened either consciously or subconsciously. The final point I will touch on is the common theme of sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis is a hot topic on this show and has been a source of stories such as these for hundreds if not thousands of years. It's very possible that the three brothers suffered from this terrifying sleep disorder, experienced horrid waking nightmares, and things simply escalated from there. Then again, it's also possible that these night terrors did nothing but escalate activity that was already taking place in the home. Now, since we discuss sleep paralysis so often on this show, I thought I'd take a few moments to break down exactly what the disorder is. I found the following list on YouTube that I feel does a great job of explaining not only what sleep paralysis is, but what effects it can have on the human mind and
5: body. The following clip is from YouTube user Top Fives. It's one of the most terrifying phenomena known to man sleep paralysis, the frightening ordeal of waking up suddenly in the dead of night, temporarily unable to move a muscle or even speak. For some, it happens nightly and others experience horrifying visions and sensations during their sleep paralysis. Whether you've suffered from it personally or not, here are five things you need to know about this terrifying condition. It's more common than you think. According to a study taken in America in 2011, in which 3,600 random people were asked whether they had experienced symptoms of sleep paralysis, a shocking 65% said they had and research undertaken by the Sleep Paralysis Project found that certain social groups tend to be more at risk of falling victim to the frightening disorder. For example, their test results showed that a higher number of African-Americans suffer from sleep paralysis, and the most common age range that is affected by the sleeping disorder is 16 to 43-year-olds. Although it's hard to gauge, as people younger and also older than this have reported being affected too. You cannot wake yourself up. Some people have mastered a practice called lucid dreaming, which means that they will retain a certain amount of control and consciousness while they are dreaming, allowing them, for instance, to wake themselves up from an intense nightmare. But unfortunately, this does not work for sleep paralysis. This is because it occurs when a person is halfway between being awake and in REM sleep, Which means they are not technically dreaming, as their eyes are still open, and their senses are still alert. People have reported trying desperately to wiggle their toes or scream to wake themselves fully. But it's never any use, and the sufferer simply must wait for the paralysis to pass, however long this takes. You may see things that you do not like. Though it's rarer than the sensation of being paralyzed itself, some people do report very frightening visions and sensations while in their paralysis state. For instance, many have reported feeling a weight on their chest during a sleep paralysis episode, as though an invisible being of some kind is pinning them to the bed. Others report hearing voices in the room, and in one case, a man reportedly heard heavy breathing and deep growling coming from just behind him. Though, of course, he was unable to turn around and look. However, the scariest thing about sleep paralysis is that some people experiencing a sleep paralysis attack actually claim to see figures in the room with them. That could be dark shadows looming over them while they are completely unable to move, which brings us to the next fact. People see the same things. One of the most inexplicable, and terrifying facts about sleep paralysis is that people from all around the world who have had no contact with each other have reported seeing the same thing during their episodes. The most commonly reported apparition is the old hag. Many authors and psychiatrists who have studied sleep paralysis have noted that many of their patients report the presence of a hideous old woman who seems to take pleasure in the fear and panic she is causing, laughing at her victims as they lie there. If this sounds like a joke, then keep in mind the hag is nothing new. Throughout the history of sleep paralysis, she has been described. In fact, in Scandinavian folklore, the belief is that sleep paralysis itself is brought on by the soul of a fallen woman, which has left its own body to terrify innocent people while they sleep in their beds. This entity, which Scandinavians refer to as Mare, is in fact where the term nightmare originates from. This reoccurring apparition has led many to believe that sleep paralysis is supernatural in nature rather than medical, as it's very difficult to come up with an explanation as to why so many people report seeing the same entity. We do know how to treat it. As truly bizarre and frightening as the phenomena of sleep paralysis is, doctors have found that thankfully, it is quite easy to treat. Studies have shown the main cause of sleep paralysis and all the scariness that comes with it is mainly not getting enough sleep. Without enough REM sleep, the brain finds it harder to switch off, sometimes resulting in the limbo state between being awake and dreaming in which sleep paralysis takes place. Also, high levels of stress and anxiety are known to trigger the attacks and even eating big meals or consuming alcohol right before bed can be triggers too. It's long been recommended that the best way to avoid sleep paralysis is to learn to truly relax and switch off all your worries before you go to sleep. Get between six to eight hours of rest and preferably not watch videos like this just before bedtime. You can find a link to that video and all clips played
1: tonight on the show notes for this episode. Go to monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash show notes to find those links. I wanna thank all three brothers once again for taking the time to call. I really enjoyed hearing about these experiences from three separate angles. Up next, we head across the pond for Adrian's eerie experience while on holiday in Greece.
6: Hello. My story is from the early 1990s when um, I was in my late teens and uh, myself and two of my friends decided we'd go working our way around Europe. This is before the internet, so our plan was to find some resorts where we could get jobs in hotels or um, or restaurants and then sort of move from resort to resort until we'd worked our way around the Mediterranean. Um, It didn't quite turn out like that because we ended up spending more money than we earned and we had to come home fairly shortly but um, a couple of weeks into our trip we were traveling on a ferry from near Athens to an island called Rhodes which is right the other side of the Aegean we didn't have much money so we always bought the cheapest tickets and we got ferry to stops at virtually every island on the way and we hadn't paid for cabins so uh, we were sleeping on deck with like some of the poorer passengers anyway a good few hours into the trip the, a group of people were getting drunk and they were getting quite sort of aggressive towards us, uh, quite threatening. And one of us, one of my two friends was a girl, so we were getting a bit concerned. And we tried moving to a different part of the ship, but they knew a few kind of English swear words and they were following us and uh, yeah, making a bit of a nuisance to themselves. So we thought, sod this. We waited till the, the ferry stopped at the next uh, island and we got off. And the idea was we were going to just stay overnight, or however long it took, and then just uh, get the next ferry and carry on our journey. We have a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of hand gesturing, and I don't speak Greek, and uh, we, we managed to, to find out from uh, some of the locals that had a kiosk on the, uh, on the harbour side that there was a, a guesthouse or a hotel or something further around the island. And we thought, well, you know, obviously we need somewhere to stay, but we could possibly get some work there. So we, uh, we set off out of town to, uh, to find it, and we'd been walking for probably a couple of hours. And the thing is, is there's not really any trees on the island, there's perhaps some olive trees, or, and there's shrubs and that, but you can, like, look around you and, and see the landscape, and we couldn't see this place, and it was starting to get dark. Um, so just off the road, we found some, like, ruins I mean when i say ruins i don't mean like the acropolis this is just like a stone foundations of a building that probably fell down hundreds of years ago i mean this is greece so possibly thousands of years ago and uh we we stopped there we sort of there'd been goats in there so we we cleared a clean space on the floor and uh and settled down for the night anyway it's quite warm even at night time now so we were okay to stay outside um, the, the skies there are really clear I mean you can see every star and the, the Milky Way so it's even quite light even when it's the middle of the night but I don't, I'm just not used to staying outside you know I'm a city boy so I wasn't sleeping terribly well I kept sort of waking up every few minutes and I went up once when I woke up both of my friends were already awake and there was something by the road that we just walked off and I immediately thought, "Oh no, it's like the drunks from the ferry have come looking for us." But it wasn't. It was some sort of an animal, and um, I, it, it was it was obviously not one of the goats. It, I mean, I've kept dogs all my life, and you know, even the best working dogs can be a bit clumsy. But this was moving like like liquid. It was you know just sort of circling around the outside of the of the ruins. Um, not just quietly, I mean it was silent, it was absolutely silent. And it was black or well, it was very dark. Um it was maybe a meter tall, a bit less, maybe two, two and a half feet. Um but long, you know, like low slung. And uh yeah, just just stalking around the outside of these ruins that we were uh that we were camped in. <sighs> anyway, um I mean it felt like this went on for ages, it's probably only a few minutes but um I mean, in the morning, my legs were really aching where I'd been crouching down, like trying not to lose sight of it creeping around. So I mean, it must have been, it must have been maybe 10, 20 minutes. And like once it had gone, we, none of us slept. Before the sun came up, in fact, we were already back down towards uh, the harbour. And we told the harbour master what we would saying, but either he, he didn't believe us or he knew about it and didn't care. Or possibly, I mean, uh, he spoke good enough English to do his job, but it wasn't conversational English, you know, so uh, perhaps he didn't quite understand what we were telling him. But either way, uh, they just shrugged it off. And, uh, well, that evening, yeah, the ferry came, we got back on it, and they even let us use our tickets for uh, from the boat before. And that was that. And a few weeks later, like I said, we'd run out of money, we came back home to England. Um, well, since then, now we've got the internet, I've been... Like looking into what it might have been, but like I said, I don't speak Greek, so any other kind of reports, I um, I wouldn't really be able to read them. Um, I looked into what wild animals it might be. I mean, there there are lynx in Gre- lynx living Greece, but this is up in the mountains. I mean, they wouldn't be on one of the islands, and there's more and more reports of um, jackals in the Eastern Mediterranean. I mean, the, it's a couple of hours' ferry ride from the nearest big island you know let alone the mainland um and also i've been looking on google earth trying to find the exact sort of spot that we spent the night um but so far i've not managed that in fact I, i'm not even sure i'm looking on the right islands because they all look they're pretty much the same on a satellite anyway that, that's my story so uh, just say thanks really enjoying the podcasts and uh, look after yourself bye
1: Thank you Adrian. As I mentioned in the opener, I'm in Ohio for the month, and the other day my mother and I were driving down Interstate 70, headed east near mile marker 169. I was looking out the window and I thought I saw a deer walking through some high weeds. As we neared the creature I realized I wasn't looking at a deer. I honestly thought it was a mountain lion based on the shape, size, and color. The glimpse was fleeting, perhaps a few seconds. So it's impossible to say what it was, but in the back of my mind, I thought it looks way too big, too muscular, and the head was the wrong shape to be a deer. Adrian's story reminds me of that brief sighting, so I decided to share it today. I did a little digging, and as it turned out, there are only a few mammals large enough to fit Adrian's description in the country of Greece. Of course, Adrian already touched on the jackal, and there is the gray wolf, which I do not believe live on the remote islands. But I found one animal I thought could have potential to fit the bill. The red fox. Foxes are elusive, curious, and quite nimble. And they have been known to be melanistic or all black. So, in theory, perhaps it was a simple, curious fox that surrounded his camp that day. Then again, perhaps there's something out there that we just don't know about yet. Thanks again, Adrian. I'm going to show my hand for next week. I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I think I have enough calls to pull it off. So I'm going to go for it. Next week's episode will be an all-Bigfoot episode. So if you've been sitting on a Bigfoot Encounter story, now would be the perfect time to call that bad boy in. Submitting is very easy. Simply call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can click the Report Your Sightings tab on the website for more options. So, let's set the mood for that upcoming episode. I'm going to dip back into the Local Legends segment to explore a hairy visitor to the state of Louisiana.
0: New Orleans is best known for its food and festivities. People come from all over the country to enjoy the rich culture of the Big Easy. But just an hour away is a small town that some people believe is hiding a deep, dark secret. Located in Slidell, Louisiana, is an area called the Honey Island Swamp. Now, it's approximately 250 square miles and is home to all kinds of wildlife. But people that make a living there and hunt in its woods say there's something else lurking in the muddy waters of the Honey Island Swamp.
7: It walks upright. The shoulders are rounded off square in the back. The face doesn't have hair on it, in the cheeks, or the forehead, or around the nose, uh, down part of the chin, it's just skin, no hair. Like I said, they say it's fast, elusive, moves fast, gets out of the way fast. What I saw scared the life out of me. I was face to face with, I didn't know if it was man or beast, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I'd never seen anything like this before in my life. It had a head and a face like a man, and a body like a, an animal.
0: The legend of the Honey Island Swamp Monster dates back to 1963. A pair of wild game hunters claimed that they encountered a huge and unusual creature in the woods. Ten years later, one of the men, Harlan Ford, said that he found gigantic footprints in the mud. Believing that they came from the elusive creature, he made a plaster cast of the tracks as proof. Now this was the first documentation of the mysterious creature, and with that, the legend of the Honey Island Swamp Monster was born.
8: My grandfather said what he remembered most was the big, amber color eyes. He said it stood upright, and it had the long arms, and but it was very hairy, long, dingy hair, like a grayish. Sometimes they say it's like a gray, muddy look, and some people have said it had a reddish tint to it. And My grandfather poured the first plaster castings that were studied by cryptozoologists.
0: Ford's granddaughter, Dana Holyfield, and her husband, Terrell Evans, live right next to the swamp and say people are always contacting them with their own harrowing experiences with the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Last year, Dana decided to make her own documentary, The Legend of the Honey Island Swamp Monster. The film examines the evidence of eyewitness reports from people that claim that they have encountered this mysterious creature. I felt like something was looking at me. You ever get that feeling that where something's staring at you? See, a bear is more like round in his back, and this this thing had like a flat back with the shoulders, and that's that's when I knew it wasn't a bear. But once I seen that, I knew it was time to change my mind about whatever I had plans anyway. My
7: first instinct maybe was a deer or something, but. It just, it didn't look right. Well, it actually, when it had come across the canal, it actually looked like it was walking across the bottom of the canal. you know. Well, it got up on the other side and just kind of shook its hair off. It looked kind of like a person, and it went on across.
0: But the most compelling evidence was yet to come. The footage you're seeing right now was shot by Dana's grandfather on Super 8 movie reel film. She discovered the footage while filming her documentary. Her grandmother claims it was shot in the late 1970s. Now if you look closely, there appears to be a hairy, Bigfoot-like creature walking amongst the trees.
8: He was in a tree blind and there's something that crosses through the swamp on foot but you could tell it's not human, it's hairy.
0: While making her documentary, Dana and her husband discovered fresh tracks in the woods.
8: This track was uh, a more recent track we found in the Peach Lake area when we a hunter had been out there. A fisherman called in, called Terrell, and told us that they had found some tracks. These are the three-toed, and this is a little fourth, a little fourth thing on the side. That, but they're all—they kind of—they look a little web-like. It could possibly swim. A cryptozoologist that we that examined them, um, Lloyd Pye, said but by the shape of it, he thought it
0: could climb. Dana's father, Dan Holyfield, says that he also came face-to-face with the Honey Island Swamp Monster back in the late 1980s. One night after returning home from a turkey hunting trip, Dan says that he hit something with his boat. At first, he thought it was simply a log, but after shining his light in the water, he discovered it was something else. I was just so confused, I thought, you know, I done run over somebody and hurt it. When it stood up, it looked like a human being, you know, and it looked like it had an overcoat or something on or some kind of coat, you know. And many more claim to have had a run-in with the monster.
7: I believe in this thing,
0: but it's elusive.
7: You know, it, didn't, it, it wasn't in a swamp. I'm 51 years old. I've heard it probably a half a dozen times total. Seen tracks two dozen times that are similar, you know, tracks that that are believable, that you can't fake.
8: Everybody looks for the monster, it's not a monster. And if it was, it'd probably be easier to track. So,
2: it's it's more man than what we think it is.
0: But still, not everyone is convinced. Skeptics say that until the mystery creature is captured, the truth will never be known.
7: Let me track you in here about a mile and a half and uh, build you a little fire, I'll give you a leave you with some piano sausage and some snicker bars and I'll come back and get you tomorrow morning then tell me how skeptical you are
1: I do encourage everyone to watch this video to see the footprint casts personally I think they look like alligator but perhaps you'll have a fresh take on it you can find the link in the show notes and that's going to do it for this episode but before I go my apologies to everyone that expected to see me at crypticon I just drove from Los Angeles all the way to Cleveland, and I just couldn't do another nine-hour trip. It looked like an amazing time, and I fully intend on attending next year. But I will still be at the Mothman Festival this coming Sunday, September 17th. I have some items to give away for the first five or six people that can find me. I'll be wearing a CryptoCrate t-shirt, and you can't miss me. Do the usual. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And be sure to join the brand new Monsters Among Us fan page on Facebook. I'll have the link in the show notes, and this time, I won't forget. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986 Thank you all for listening, and until next week.